Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Chicago at the site of this week's NBA Draft Combine. Here with me today, Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmitz, ESPN's draft analyst. We go through Tuesday night's draft lottery, what it means for the top of this draft, and how this draft week and draft process will play out. We talk also about Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics and what has allowed that organization to have so much success in the draft process, what is unique to their process and how they do the job. A lot of great stuff this week. Here's Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz. Welcome into ESPN's draft analysts, Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmitz. Guys, how are you? Doing great, Woj. How about yourself? Good. Two draft analysts, one microphone. So uh, we'll keep it passed around. The draft lottery on Tuesday night, the Kings move up, Suns number one, but Sacramento at number two is interesting. On the surface, you'd think if DeAndre Ayton goes one to Phoenix, which I think most expect, although they'll go through a process here, and there's reasons to believe Luka Doncic could be in play at one. But if we assume Ayton at this very early stage, it'll be interesting to see it too, really, what the Kings do. Yeah, I think when they were at seven, they were really looking hard at Michael Porter. But now that they've moved up to two, I think that they have to look at at the big guys. I mean, they have a real hole there in the front court. I don't think that they're in love with Willie Cauley-Stein by any means. Uh, You know, they started Zach Randolph at the four all year long. Uh, so w- what do they do there? Do they go with Marvin Bagley, who's going to be, you know, a, a compelling prospect for them? Uh, or do they, do they go with Luka Doncic, who is, you know, his father is Serbian descent. Um, you know, their GM is, is Serbian. Their assistant GM is Serbian. Their international scout is Serbian. Um, it's not, you know, Luka Doncic is Slovenian. I mean, he would tell you that, obviously, but I mean, it used to be the same country not too long ago. <laughs> and so, um, if it, you would think if anybody would be comfortable drafting a European player so high, it would be that front office. But I don't think it's a home run by any means. And so I'm headed to Belgrade tonight for the EuroLeague Final Four to watch Luka Doncic, among others. Be interested for me to see. Who's there? You know, I know Vlade is going to be there. Is is Vivek Ranadive going to be there? Is Brandon Williams going to be there? What what is that process going to look like in terms of who's going to be making that pick? Well, or that's the thing. Who's making the pick in Sacramento? Because it has not always been the general manager. Vivek has had at different points. Vivek Ranadive has inserted himself into that process, and so that's you know, and he's not the only owner too. And like we joke about him. They've left themselves open to it through the years in Sacramento. But he's not the only owner who has a voice. Robert Sarver may have a voice in Phoenix. Robert Sarver was over scouting in Europe this season. That's Mark Cuban is going to have a voice. Yeah, of course. Uh, the yeah. Atlanta Hawks owners ownership group is going to have a voice in who goes three. Yeah. This is how the NBA works. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of my friends in Europe texted me overnight and said, why do you have Aiton at one? Um Igor Kokoshkov is going to pick Luka Doncic. And I said, guys, this isn't European basketball. The head coach does not make the draft pick. It's a lot more the owner and the, and the front office than it is the coach. And so I'm fascinated by the results of the lottery. I think there's a lot left to be shaked out. I think we're going to see some movement similar to last year. 
a lot of teams need to get off of contracts. I mean, it's going to be a wild process leading up to, to June 21, and it all starts here this week in Chicago. Mike, the DeAndre Ayton at one in Phoenix, certainly plenty of ties there. Whether he was from Vermont or Florida, it wouldn't matter. He's it's a chance to be a dominant offensive force in the league, but he played at the University of Arizona, spent time in Phoenix on his move from the Bahamas and into the States. And Robert Sarver, the owner, is a, a big Arizona booster and has had, cl- has had close ties to the school. Whether that figures into a decision of this magnitude, who, who knows. But but as Jonathan said, the Suns hired Igor Kokoshkov, who is the Slovenian national coach, Coach Doncic, for the last few years there, knows him, knows his game intimately, and certainly there's a relationship there to start off. And Igor's experience in the NBA, he can put him into context with how his game will translate here. It'll be interesting to see, and we know how this will go, Phoenix will – Probably create some drama with this, even if they know by Friday or if they know today they're taking eight and they're not going to let on right away. I'm sure Ryan McDonough will head back to Europe and see Luca play here maybe this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how much drama there's going to be at number one. Yeah, I, I think Phoenix really needs a safe pick. And I think that's what DeAndre Ayton is in this draft, regardless of all the success Luca has had at the EuroLeague level with the Slovenian national team. It's hard to miss, I think, with DeAndre Aiden and at least explain to your owner, look at this kid. He's, he's seven foot one. He's 260 pounds. He moves like this. He was 20 and 10 at Arizona. Uh, I, I just think they need a safe pick like that, especially with, you know, Marquise Chris hasn't really developed and Dragon Bender hasn't really developed. So th- they need a big to pair with Devin Booker, to pair with Josh Jackson. And I think DeAndre Ayton makes a lot of sense there. Obviously, there is going to be some drama, some smoke screens. You know how this goes. Yep. Um, but again, I think the Suns, you know, would have hired Igor Kokoshkov regardless right. of, of his relationship with Luka Doncic. I think he's proven himself in the NBA at right. the FIBA level right. developing players. He'd been an assistant at Phoenix. They, Robert Sarver knew him. Exactly. So it's not all about Luka Doncic. That's a nice subplot. Yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's a not, cherry on top. It, it right? is. like, And I know there's this feeling of like this is like some kind of college hiring the AAU coach to get the player. This is It's not right. that. Right. It's not that. Yeah, I think I think Aiden makes a lot of sense for them. So I would be surprised if, if they went away from him. But at this point, you know, we have a month. So we do have a month. And, you know, really the pre-draft process starts here at the Combine. Free agency in a lot of ways starts and trade season starts at the Combine where – all the league executives are here, agents are here, and they're starting to talk about whether it's setting up draft workouts, now that we know the order, uh, who's coming in to do individual workouts with teams, all the way up to what people's interests are and free agents. is you know The way it goes is you know agents and GMs meet at one of the coffee shops around here, and the agent slides them his list. Here are my free agents. Here's my unrestricted, my restricted, and kind of give them a menu. Like, who do you want to start talking about? Like, and that's... That's how it works, and that's what this week is about. The top part of the draft, Jonathan, would you be surprised if in whatever order it is, and if we say it's Aiton at one, that it is Aiton, Doncic, and Marvin Bagley, would you be surprised if those aren't the first three picks? I would be surprised, yeah. I think that, you know, you with Atlanta, you heard all along that Marvin Bagley was really their guy. Uh, and potentially a two also, um, and maybe even at one, I think they would have looked very hard at him. And so 
he's there at three. That's an easy choice for them. If Luka Doncic is there at three, that's a fairly easy choice for them, I would think. Uh, just looking at their roster and, and what they're trying to do. And Travis Schlenk is a guy that isn't going to shy away from a European player also. And I think in many ways, he could be really attracted to Luka Doncic. I mean, he came from Golden State. Uh, I mean, you could easily see Luka Doncic playing for the Warriors. I mean, that style of play, um, what the way he can pass the ball, the way he can play pick and roll, the way he can shoot off the dribble, that could he could look are the, pretty. Are the Warriors going to get him too? Is there a way? Can Bob Myers pull that off? One day, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the 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 interesting thing to to watch is you're talking about agents and and teams and owners and and this whole conversation. We haven't talked about what Luka Doncic might want to do because he's going to have a little bit of a say here in this process as well. He's actually under contract in Real Madrid. And if he doesn't want to go to Sacramento, he could definitely make things hard on them and give them a lot to think about by saying, guys, if you draft me, I'm going to sign a huge extension. I'm going to make 2 million euro next year. Uh, and I'm not coming over until you trade my rights. And he's never at any point said a hundred percent that he's coming over next year. And so I think he would like to. Obviously, you want to get your rookie scale contract started. You want to get, you know, moving on that second deal four years from now. But he has a lot more leverage in this process than anybody else in this draft. And so it'll be very interesting for me to to, to hear what his camp thinks because mm-hmm. Sacramento is not the most attractive place for a young prospect. De'Aaron Fox is very excited to go there. But we've seen in the past that that hasn't always been the case with, with, with these young guys. And so I, I'll be interested to see how that plays out too. Um, you know, I think Marvin Bagley would be really excited to go too and, and he'd be really excited to be, you know, the face of that franchise. And he wants to go as high as possible. He wants to go one. I don't think that Marvin Bagley's camp has given up on being the number one pick. And so they're going to go into Phoenix and really try and make a compelling case for him at one too. So that's what, to me, what was so interesting about the way the lottery played out yesterday is that there's so many different scenarios in play. Uh, I'd be lying if I told you that we know exactly how it's going to play out now. And I actually, that's the part of the draft process that I enjoy. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of workouts. There's going to be a lot of trades and, and there's things are going to, are going to play out really in a really interesting way, uh, leading up to June 21. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at to the top part of the lottery, you know, there's no Boston in there. There's no, they're all rebuilding teams. I mean, you go, you know, from Atlanta at three, Memphis, Dallas at five, Orlando six, the Bulls at seven, you know, then Cleveland at eight is a little different. They, they could be in a rebuild, uh, by the time we get to July. You know, last year you had, you know, when you had Boston up high who kept picking with the Nets picks and then they're going to have another high pick, you know, they'll have the Kings pick in 19. So they're going to have, uh, they're going to continue to be able to pick high or package those. But because free agency is going to be, I think, limited, there are not a lot of teams with great cap space. Some of the teams who do have it are in rebuilds, and they're not looking necessarily to get better. They might take some guys on one-year deals. You know, I think the draft, in terms of filling needs for teams, this is really a lot of teams' best chance now to get better. Uh, this isn't the previous years where we had a big salary cap spike, and you know, you could go out and get. You know, there was lots of space, lots of money. You could improve yourself in July. Uh, for a lot of teams, change is going to come between now and draft night, whether it's selecting a player or on the trade market. There's only a few teams really who can make a big dent in free agency. And so I think that only heightens the importance of this. And there's not a great draft class in 2019. And I think that puts more pressure on teams to get it right this year. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with all these bigs too because, I mean, you look at Wendell Carter and, and Mo Bamba and Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson is not a guy we've really talked about, but I don't think it's out of the question that he gets a look with Atlanta, um, especially Memphis. I mean, he's a guy who can fit with a Marcus Gasol or with a John Collins. Uh, then you have Wendell Carter. Then you have Mo Bamba. So I think, you know, the bigs in the draft are going to play a big role in, in kind of – deciding that pecking order and then when does the first point guard go you know is it trey young is it colin sexton is shea alexander a guy who maybe sneaks into the top 10 um so there's definitely some depth i think in that top 10 but it's it's definitely a lot of bigs as well mike you're really intrigued with mo bamba seven foot nine wingspan comparable really to rudy gobert with the jazz he may not be the best rookie in the class he may not have the most productive rookie year He's got a way to go, but potentially he's a guy you think can be what? Yeah, I mean, the the thought is Rudy Gobert with the jump shot, right? That's that's kind of the idea. If you love Mo Bamba, that's what you think he could be. If There are a lot of teams, I think, that are scared you know, by Mo Bamba and, and his motor and how much is he going to improve, how much fight does he have in him. I think he's a guy who's going to do a really good job during this pre-draft process. He's extremely well-spoken. He's extremely intelligent. Jonathan and I were talking about this. He's, he's doing all the right things. You know, he's spending time with Joel Embiid. He's spending time with Kevin Garnett. He's getting up, you know, posting videos of him making three after three in an empty gym. I mean, he, he's doing all the right things and he has the type of game. I think that's going to, that's going to uh, help. He's going to help himself in this process just because he's such a freak physically and he can shoot the ball and he's smart. Um, but there is some bust potential there with him, as we saw this year with Texas. You know, there are times when he didn't always show up. Um, so to me, he's the most intriguing prospect in this draft because if he hits, he could be the best player in this draft. Orlando's picking at six. He, to me, reminds me of a John Hammond, Jeff Weltman kind of player. The front office in Orlando, you know, John was the GM in Milwaukee. Jeff was his assistant GM years ago. Then Jeff went to Toronto. And now they're reunited with Jeff at, as a president there. And, and you look at their draft record um, and the guys they've liked together and then independently. But they, you know, they together drafted Giannis Atanakumpo. John Hammond drafted Thon Maker there. Just those long, athletic, sort of oversized positional players. Jonathan Isaacs last year, who they took in Orlando. Bamba fits the profile of the kind of guy that those two have liked. He definitely fits. The problem is that they dropped the spot, and I'm not sure that Mo Bamba is going to be there. I think Dallas is going to have to really take yeah. a hard look at him, too. They don't have a center there, and uh, they, they need – Rick Carlisle is a defensive-minded coach who would yeah. love to have a big who can anchor his defense. So that'll be an interesting process. Also, how that plays out, I'm sure Jaron Jackson is yeah. going to be very high up on Orlando's yeah. list as well, but I'm just not sure he's there at six. So, you know, Memphis at four is going to be very interesting because – you know, they really are trying to get back into the playoffs as quickly as possible. And I'm not sure that Jaron Jackson does that for them. You know, that he, he's one of the youngest players in the draft. I think he's a great fit mm-hmm. with Marcus Gasol, but a lot of teams look at him as more of a piece as opposed to a guy. And are, is that what you're going for? And so that, you know, we, we Michael Porter is going to be a really, really interesting guy in this draft. I mean, to me, he's going to, People are going to want to bring him in at two, three, four, 
But then there are a lot of question marks there too. Uh, the Intel isn't great. How is the physical going to turn out? And so could he be there at the end of the lottery too? I mean, he actually has the biggest range of any prospect in this draft to me. And so that middle part of the lottery is, is so fascinating. And, uh, I mean, you look at Orlando, they're going to be under some pressure to look at Trey Young and Colin yeah. Sexton too, because they really need a guard. Yeah. And so, and where are they going to get that guard from? Because they're capped out for the foreseeable future. And so do they need to draft that guy or do they need to make a trade? Uh, I mean, I, I could see them looking at, you know, Guys that are around the league that are available and maybe that six pick is, 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 is there in a trade conversation. Can they get off of Biombo's contract? You know, there, what do they do with Yvonne Fournier? You know, there, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts there in Orlando. And I think that, um, obviously they'd be, Jaron Jackson is, uh, would be a very interesting fit. Bombo would be an interesting fit, but I think they're, they're going to expand their search and, and maybe look at Wendell Carter too. And then Trey Young, we talked about Sexton. So, um, there's really no consensus there after the top three or four in this draft. And so I think they're going to have to cast a really wide net with, with what their options are. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by the starters. Skeets, Tass, Trey, and Lee are the starters, and you can catch them every weeknight on NBA TV, breaking down the biggest stories from around the league. From highlights to postseason analysis, bloopers, to Lee dropping a ton of NBA trivia knowledge, and the memes that matter most, the starters have you covered. Keep up with the guys via social on Twitter and Instagram at at the starters and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the starters and be sure to check out their deep dive podcast each friday called the drop which is available for download via itunes and nba.com slash the starters cleveland's going to be interesting at number eight of how they proceed because when the draft comes on june 21st cleveland's still not going to know for sure what lebron james is doing because if history is any indicator whether it was leaving Cleveland the first time leaving Miami to come back Brian Winters has said it I think on on the podcast last week and he's exactly right LeBron's not going to give them any direction and we'll see how this series ends with Boston if it ends in a thud I'm sure he'll go quiet with them they won't hear from him Uh, he's not going to be engaged and so are they drafting to partner a player with LeBron James or are they drafting with the assumption LeBron's going to leave and you're never really drafting a replacement for him, but you're drafting thinking about a rebuild and, and maybe a longer term prospect. And so if it's with him, is it Trey Young, you know, playmaker, shot maker? You never have enough of those with LeBron. Or is it, you say, like a Michael Porter who some thought might have been before the college season, potential first overall pick in the draft. He said there's a lot of research and time that's going to go into looking at him, you know, but he's a big playmaking power forward who you wouldn't on the surface think is a compliment to LeBron. But what I think Cleveland will do is take the best available there. I really do. I don't think they're going to put themselves in a situation where I think their assumption all along is he's going to leave. And that's the assumption because he hasn't told them any different. And so they don't want to get – it's why they didn't trade the Brooklyn pick at the deadline to maybe mortgage the future for a short-term fix on with LeBron. I think they assume he's going – and if he stays, they'll try to figure it out. Or if he tells them something different, then they'll proceed that way. But if they don't have an answer from him, I think they draft 
based on the long view, not necessarily who can help them, what rookie might be most ready to help next season. I think that would be short-sighted for them. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think they'd be crazy not to operate that way. I mean, they've been burned in the past already uh, by LeBron, and so they, they, they can probably see the writing on the wall here. If LeBron decides to stay, I mean, we don't know how great his other options are compared to staying in Cleveland, then yeah, I mean, whichever player you draft in the top 10 can fit alongside LeBron James. That's a great part about LeBron James. He can play any position, one through five. He can fit with any player. And so, yeah, maybe one guy fits slightly better, but I don't think, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to make a decision based on that. You know, I mean, they'll be under some pressure to take a look at Miles Bridges there. Interesting fit with LeBron. Um, you know, uh, he, that's the right range. Uh, might be the, the, the higher end of the range for, Ma, for Miles Bridges. They could probably use a guy at that three, four slot that, you know, to, to pair with him. But I agree with you. They're going to have to look at Michael Porter. If Trey Young is there at eight, then for sure he's going to have to be in the mix. I think they're going to look at Colin Sexton. And I also think that any of the bigs that we're talking about here could be very, very good fits because they're playing Kevin Love at the five right now. I can guarantee you Kevin Love does not want to play 82 games next year starting at the center position. He's made that known already. And so you're going to have to figure out what do you do? Do you bring Tristan Thompson back in the starting lineup or do you try and draft your center of the future? Uh, is there any chance that Mo Bamba slides to eight? Is there any chance that you can do something to get Jaron Jackson? I mean, those two are, would be great fits. And then Wendell Carter was very, very interesting for them as well. I think he's, I think he fits with LeBron and he also fits as a guy that if LeBron leaves, uh, that you can start to build this franchise around. So there'll be some good options there for them. And um, I'm sure that they're going to make the right choice. The Combine Week here in Chicago will be on the air Thursday and Friday uh, on ESPN2 with general manager interviews, coaching players coming through, talking about what's going on in the court, who is playing in the five-on-five, and some of the athletic testing. And and we said, like as we said, bringing in some of the GMs to talk about their team building, what's going on, even beyond the draft and free agency. Julius Randle will be in. We'll talk about his free agency. There's a lot of things converging on this week. For you two guys, Mike, Jonathan, who spend the entire calendar evaluating players from practices to games to international practices and games as well as college, watching a lot of tape, what's the value for you guys coming through here? What do you learn in a combine week that's any different or adds to anything that you've spent the calendar year you know, invested in? I think a lot of it is meeting with teams and, and agents and that side of it away from the court. Um, you know, the five on five stuff to me is pretty up in the air. The guys who already have a big resume and, and a profile, they don't really move the needle. Like I remember Josh Hart in 2016 when he was out here. He, he was terrible. He was one of the worst in terms of productivity in combine history, I think. And, you know, he goes back to school and obviously is a first round pick and had an awesome year. You know, Wes Iwundu, a guy who has the worst PER in our database, uh, at the combine and he went 33rd, you know, and got a, got a guaranteed contract. So I think the combine is for guys who are smaller school guys 
who can really pop and help themselves. You know, we saw it with Pascal Siakam. We saw it with Larry Nance. I think even like a Rashawn Holmes helped himself. So I think those guys who are smaller school guys who these teams don't really know, it's valuable to see them. And then also a guy like Kyle Kuzma. I think seeing guys outside of their college system playing a little bit more freely. You know, for Kyle, he was more of a a roller, a more of a post-up guy for most of his career at Utah. He comes out here, he plays with freedom, he bangs four threes, hits a sky hook, shuts it down, and goes in the first round. So uh, I think it's valuable to see guys in a different environment. Um, but you can't put too much stock in the actual play. I remember in 2013, you know, Rudy Gobert getting put through the rim by Colton Iverson from Colorado <laughs> State, you know, and then Rudy goes 27th and now look at what he's doing compared, you know, no uh, knock on Colton Iverson, but, um, I, you just, you can't put too much stock in the drills and in the five on five play. Colton Iverson, I actually went to a Colorado State. I was in Denver doing a, Something for the Nuggets and the, my Bonnies were playing in Fort Collins. So I drove up on a Saturday, like whatever his senior year was. And I've never done this before at one of my Bonnies games. I drove up to Fort Collins and they were down like 30 at the half. And Colton Iverson looked like Kevin Love in that game and drilled us. And I said, geez, this guy's really good. Shout out to Colton Iverson yeah. having a very good Celtics, career in Europe. Celtics drafted him, what, in the 40s maybe? Like late 50s. 50s yeah. They still yeah. have his rights. Yeah, yeah. Not too late to sign Colton Iverson. Maybe the next Aaron Baines. Never know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he will be before it's all said and done <laughs> the way it goes for Danny Ainge. But, uh, but Colton Iverson, yeah. So, and I'm sure he'll tell that Rudy Gobert story. I'm sure he tells it in bars all over Europe, right? You I know? killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, we talked about the five on five and whatever value it has for teams. You get the sense with agents that as they start to pull out of that game is, if they don't see players rated ahead of their guy, they think there's no value because the perception will be somebody rated behind my guy, outplayed my guy, that's going to knock my guy back. And it's sort of just as a self-fulfilling thing that all the, and everyone sort of follows a little bit that guide. And then you turn around and there's, there's nobody playing in the games that, that anybody really wants to see. Yeah. I mean, that's our, that's our expectation coming in is that first rounders or guys who are on the fringe of the first round are not going to play. And we've come to accept that by now. I mean, this is the 15th draft that I've covered. And, uh, you know, I used to get all up in arms. Oh, my God, why is that guy not playing? He needs to be here. Who does this dude think he is? And <laughs> it just I can't blame them, honestly, with the way that the NBA acts, the way that they put a premium on the mystery guys. You know, you look at last year, Hamadou Diallo would have went in the first round, almost guaranteed. But comes back to Kentucky, has an average year, which is not unprecedented for a 19-year-old to still need time to figure it out. But he's much stronger. He's much more experienced. He's much more polished. He's much more ready to help an NBA team now than he was a year ago. But his draft stock dropped. You know, So what? what do you, how do you go to a player and tell him with a straight face, oh, yeah, you need to play in the five-on-five? Five? Because... NBA teams just, they sit there at the combine and they're just, they can't wait to shoot bullets that these guys pick them apart, talk about how they can't do this and they can't do that. And so I don't, I don't blame players for, for not wanting to participate in that process because they see Thon Maker going 10th. Yeah. They see Yorgos Papayanis going 13th after he makes a couple of jump shots in an empty gym and the whole NBA all of a sudden changes their, everything they think about a guy in, in, in one workout. And, you know, not a knock on Sacramento. If Papayanis didn't go 13th, he would have went 16th or 19th or 22nd. He, people were lining up to draft that guy. And so 
there's a certain part of this draft process where the mysterious guys rise to the top because the well-known commodities, they're just not as interesting. Well, that guy, he's going to be just, he's going to be an okay player. Let me swing for the fences here and try to get, try and get a star. But as we all know, 75 to 90% of the time, it doesn't work out that way. But, you know, that's just the nature of the draft. I mean, you know, you go through year by year, half of them are going to fail. Half of the first rounders, let alone the second round. And so that's just the way this thing works. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is also sponsored by Hims. Did you know that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? And the thing is, by the time you really start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. And certainly no one knows that better than me. Do you have any bald spots? Is your hairline moving further and further back? What happens in a year from now if you keep losing your hair? Well, we've got a solution for you. Forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat your hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. Save hours by going to forhims.com. It could not be easier. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions and a doctor will review and prescribe you. And to make it even easier on you, all of the products are shipped directly to your door. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash woj, W-O-J. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash woj, W-O-J. Forhims.com slash woj. The real draft combine, or there's an alternate draft combine that goes on over at the University of Illinois Chicago in the gym that you guys have created, Mike, Jonathan, over the last few years. And, and people, if they follow your Twitter accounts, if they follow your coverage, they see like, wait a minute, I didn't realize that this lottery pick or that lottery pick is actually in Chicago in a gym shooting playing, but they are with you guys. How did that start and how do you guys get access to you know, top level guys who are not in the combine, but you have a camera and you have eyes on them over in the gym. Donovan Mitchell last year was over with you guys in the combine. He didn't play here and, you know, obviously he shot up the charts, uh, to Utah, but, um, how did that come about? Well, coming here year after year to Chicago, you're, you're, you're at the team hotels, you're interacting with the players, with their agents, with their, uh, family, and, and you always hear, uh, do you know a gym where I can get shots up? I'm looking to get a little sweat in. I, I need to sharpen the pencil. I need to find a place where I can get a little sweat in. And so, and kind of, we kind of, we would think, okay, where can we, how can we help these guys get shots up? And maybe we can watch them work out at the same time. Because for me, there's a lot of value in seeing these guys working out face to face, even if it's just a one on zero. Uh, it's great to be able to interact with these guys. We sit down with them, we interview them, we watch them shoot. 
And, and we, we, we see, I mean, who's really taking this process seriously? What are they working on? And so that's kind of how it came together. The guys at UIC have been awesome to, you know, basically give us their gym here for the entire week. And we've got most of the first round coming through. Uh, tonight, you know, Wendell Carter, Kevin Knox, Lonnie Walker, Zaire Smith. We had Hamidou Diallo in the other night. He looked awesome, by the way. I mean, it's what was interesting to me last year, going back to last year, is we watched Donovan Mitchell work out. I think we had him at 21 on our board that night. As soon as the workout ended, I did a new mock draft. I put him at 12th. And I said, if he's going to work out for NBA teams the way he just worked out for us, this guy is going in the lottery 100%. And I got a barrage of calls from all these teams saying, what the hell are you doing? Donovan Mitchell is a late first-round pick. He needs to go back to school. So that's what Rick Pitino was telling him. Exactly. That's a fact. Those are the teams who want to draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, we talked about this in Mo Bamba. A a big part of this draft process is putting yourself in position to be successful, putting yourself in position to get drafted by the right team. And I give Donovan Mitchell's agent a lot of credit. Donovan Mitchell was projected to be a lottery pick, but he went to work out for Utah. Ty, who, Ty Sullivan. Right? Exactly. Yeah. He, who had the 23rd pick in the draft. He wasn't concerned with the fact that they, that, that they were drafting too low. I mean, there's so much of a cat and mouse game here going on between agents and teams of, oh, I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go there. I mean, it, it's a real power struggle. And, uh, it, it was interesting to me to see they sent him to Utah. He had a ph- phenomenal workout. And they did whatever they could to move up, and they, they moved up on draft night to 13, and they drafted him, and he had a phenomenal year. So uh, this is where that process starts, and um, it, it'll be really fun to see how some of these guys look. And uh, it's a fun process for them, and I think that just being able to share that with them is, is great for us. Mike, and I, I think this, and Jonathan touched on it, the smart agents aren't as concerned about how high a player goes to pad their resume and say, look, I had – two top five picks or, or three top 20 picks or whatever it is to use in their next recruiting meeting, it's where can I find a good fit for my player organizationally? Listen, there's a reason a lot of teams are in that lottery at the top part every year. They're, they're losing. And you look at Donovan Mitchell and, and Ty Sullivan's ability to try to help get him to Utah, which um, at the time was, you know, you thought he was going to go forward with Gordon Hayward, or they didn't. They certainly didn't know. But you knew you had a coach in Quinn Snyder, who is an elite coach in the league. Dennis Lindsay, their GM, you know, they've proven to be one of the better organizations around. And I think the navigation that goes on, I think among, and sometimes you have to sell that to the players or their families or people around them who just are caught up with, well, don't let that guy go before you, or you should be drafted in front of that guy versus educating them to what's a good organization, what's what's good for the long-term view of this player. And there's only so much manipulation that can go on. Teams can take who they want. You can keep medical physicals. You can keep a player's medicals away from a team. You cannot let them interview with them. You cannot let him work out. But you can't stop a team from drafting a player. But you can make it harder. And, and you'll see that in the lottery. There'll be players who are not going to work out for certain teams. They're not going to get interviews. But they can't stop the team from, from drafting them. Yeah, I think we focus too much on, oh, I want to be top five, I want to be top ten, I want to be lottery, but I think this draft, this past draft, and you know, for years and years, we've learned that it's about fit, and we don't talk enough about that. You know, if Donovan Mitchell went to Charlotte or Detroit and he wasn't able to have the freedom he ended up having in Utah, would he have had this type of year? 
Uh, you could say the same with a guy like Jordan Bell. You know, if Jordan Bell wasn't in a perfect situation with the Warriors or Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers with a long rope and a young coach and a young team that likes to get up and down, I, I think we focus too much on the number and it's not about the number it's about the fit you know would we be talking about Jason Tatum right now if he was in Phoenix and Josh Jackson were in Boston maybe we'd be praising Josh Jackson's toughness and and grit and explosiveness and defensive versatility rather than Tatum's scoring prowess and Mm -hmm. and how polished he is so I think we focus too much on that and we also we jump to conclusions so quickly on these guys after one season I think you know everyone wants to uh, you know, think we have it figured out after one year and you need to let things play out. Jonathan, I think you have a window into this. And Mike mentioned Jason Tatum in Boston and the fit and the kind of rookie year he's had. I think you have a sense of how Boston goes about evaluating players, deciding who fits for them and, and making decisions. What is it about the process there, about Danny Ainge, about the group he surrounds himself with, maybe the coach and Brad Stevens too, that has allowed them to have so much success and find players who fit them, maybe didn't match up to other people's draft boards. I don't know how many GMs in the league would have taken Jason Tatum first. And Ainge said to people when he made the trade, well, we're trading one for three, and obviously they're getting another pick. Jason Tatum would have been the first pick in a draft for him. Well, a lot of guys can say it, but he he makes a deal. He takes them and makes the case that he really would have taken Tatum first. Essentially, that's what he did last year. What is it about what they do there that has separated them? They put the work in, plain and simple. They get out on the road. Danny Ainge is the GM that you see at every event. And he, he, he gets on planes and he goes and watches players and he studies them and he watches video and, and, and then he, and that trickles down to his staff. His son, Austin Ainge, doesn't get enough credit for how smart of an executive he is. People think he just has the job because he's Danny Ainge's son. He's actually he could be a GM in his own right. He's phenomenal at what he does. He travels around the globe, um, has an incredible network of contacts, and has made some great hires. Dave Lewin, one of the hardest working guys in this business. Uh, their European scout, Benis Matkovicius. Um, that guy grinds like no other scout in the NBA. And so it's really no secret. I mean, if you want to be a good player, you work on your game. You want to be a good scout, you get out and watch film and you go and watch players and you do your research. And you obviously you, you have to come up with a coherent plan for how are these guys going to work together. And that's what I think Boston has done a great job of is adapting to this new NBA and figuring out how do they make their pieces fit together. And that obviously starts with their coach, Brad Stevens, who arguably the best coach in the NBA today. I mean, running circles around uh, Cleveland. Uh, and I mean, just what they're doing in this playoff series, um, this whole playoff run has just been incredible. What was your evaluation of Terry Rozier coming out of Louisville? I actually was not very high on Terry Rozier. I thought he was an athlete who did not have a great feel for the game. He was a, he was a mediocre shooter. He shot under 50% for two point range. Uh, and you know, it's interesting to see what Donovan Mitchell was doing. Terry Rozier, I mean, those Louisville guys obviously, uh, are all better NBA players than they were college players. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, why? I mean, maybe they were so well coached in college and that helped them become great pros, or maybe they were held back a little bit and weren't put in right. position to be, you know, to show really what they have. But Terry Rozier is the guy who worked his butt off. I mean, he was not a, was not an elite prospect coming out of high school, was not a McDonald's All-American. He was undersized growing up. He grew. 
And, uh, he's just so tough and he's so physical. And I mean, just the shots that he's making in this playoffs, it's, it's incredible. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. And, and, and when, when Danny Ainge drafted him at 16, it felt like a reach. It felt honestly. like a reach at 16, right? T- Terry Rozier people... played at this combine and he, he had a solid combine. He, he was not a off the charts combine, but I don't think you can say that any guy in this year's draft is going to go 16 was playing at this combine. So, um, you have to give them credit for that pick because it was a year after Marcus Smart and people said, Oh, what is, what is Danny Ainge doing? How many guards does, does one team need on their <laughs> roster? And it turns out you need a lot of guards actually, uh, because the more of them, the better. And that's what I think people are starting to figure out is that the more guys you can have on the floor who can dribble past shoot and guard, the, the better chances you have of winning games. Fellas, great stuff as always. We'll be here all week at the draft combine. We'll be on the air Thursday, Friday afternoon on. ESPN2 uh, from the gym, players, NBA coaches, general managers, our whole crew, Jay Billis, Maria Taylor, Bobby Marks. So be a fun week here, and uh, we'll see you at the gym, fellas. Thanks for having us, Woj. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guests today, ESPN's draft analysts, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this pod wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your shows. And thanks to today's sponsors, Hims and NBA TV's The Starters. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.